today on The Exam Room. What I found absolutely fascinating, by the way, is that incredibly, there are only four health conditions that account for 80% of all premature deaths in the whole world, which is heart disease, cancers, lung disease, and diabetes. And the crazy thing that I couldn't believe was about 80% of these could be prevented by just having four simple healthy lifestyle habits, which include a healthy diet, predominantly plants, regular physical activity, sensible use of alcohol and not smoking. And the, the one that's the most powerful of all those four simple health habits is what we put on our plate. In fact, an unhealthy diet contributes to more death and disability than smoking, alcohol and drug use combined. So when I kind of really began to realize the power of our plates, that's when I decided, well, I'll give it a try. And uh, I've had the confidence then as well to talk to my patients about it. And I have done really well too. You know, I was able to bring my cholesterol down. I used to get a lot of knee pain as well when I was running and I've not had knee pain in a very long time. And I've run another marathon as well since I went plant-based and no knee pain at all throughout all of my training. So, you know, that's an anecdote, but it's lovely to have that also backed up by many different kinds of research. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Jacksonville, Florida, Portland, Oregon, and Istanbul, Turkey. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode two of season seven, number 501 overall. And our Heroes of Health series continues to help make this year, the new year, the year that you take your health to that next level, put yourself back in charge of your body, and make it all that it can possibly be. And also on the show today, we are debuting a brand new segment. I'm so excited about this. It's a segment that we call Five Four. Five foods or tips for making your health all that it possibly can be. Let's get you to that next level. And Carly Bodrug is here with us to kick off this exciting series. Carly, our friend from Plant You, millions of followers, and a new cookbook is on the way called Plant You Scrappy Cooking. And how about this for the debut? For the new cookbook, five tips to start getting scrappy in the kitchen. So Carly has five for scrappy cooking coming right up. We're talking about using things that you would never expect to use in your recipes. Things that ordinarily would just be discarded, thrown in the trash or poured down the drain. But Carly, she is all about zero waste, but a lot of taste. So we're going to get on that train with her and learn about getting scrappy on the very first installment of 5-4. So can't wait for that, but let's actually start with another number. How about the number six? As in six healing habits to get well and stay well. And our guest is the author of a new book that can help you do just that. Dr. Gemma Newman, the plant power doctor, 
is the author of Get Well, Stay Well, and she is going to be here with us to raise our health IQs and get us motivated to change and to recharge our health batteries. And these six habits bring together everything that Dr. Newman has learned in more than two decades of practicing medicine. She has seen a lot over those 20 years. We're talking about radical transformations from her patients, her family, but most importantly, herself. And it is all she attributes to her open-minded approach to medicine. And we're gonna be talking about some of those triumphs Everything from chronic diseases to unrelenting headaches to daily aches and pains and even debilitating anxiety, it's all covered in her book. And we're going to be talking about these habits and how to give yourself the best chance of having a healthy, happy life, regardless of whatever life throws at you. So let's get into it right now with Dr. Gemma Newman on The Exam Room. Welcome back to the exam room, Gemma. Thank you, Chuck. And thank you for that amazing introduction. I was beaming all, all through that. That was so lovely. I'm just using your words, get well, stay well. Like four little words, but very profound, aren't they? They really are. Absolutely. And I wanted to keep the message simple. We want everybody to either get well or stay well. And so, yeah, it's for everyone. The book, I love this because a lot of times, you know, people come on the show, we talk about nutrition, 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 which is, I love it. I love to nerd out about nutrition, but this book lays out these six habits that, again, they talk about more than just what's on your plate. Is it possible to have a totality of health by addressing just a single area about what it is that you're eating and then kind of ignoring all of the other aspects that might be happening within your life? Well, that's a great question. And you know, I'm going to say no, because as you know, my name online and in my first book, The Plant Powered Doctor, I know the value of nutrition and how amazingly impactful it can be. But it's not the only thing. I've had so many patients who have had the most perfect nutrition and yet are suffering with crippling anxiety. And, you know, much as we know the power of nutrition to improve the dial on health, it's not a panacea. And there are so many other aspects to our lives that can really affect our health and our happiness. So what I wanted to do in this book is distill 20 years of my clinical experience and my study, not just of nutrition, but of psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, compassion-focused therapy, solution-focused brief therapeutic approaches, um, to help people really understand that mind, body, soul are not separate. They are all one. And I think it's important to look at every aspect of the human body. So let's, let's explore a little bit here because we're kind of in uncharted territory. Um, when we're talking about addressing things other than our diet and maybe somebody, l let me just give an example patient. Somebody comes to you, they've got this chronic condition, yet they make some changes to their diet. They probably adopt a plant-based diet, knowing you, um, and, and they do see some improvements, but these chronic conditions, they still may linger in other areas. So how does one then begin the process of trying to diagnose what else might be going uh, wrong and then looking at prescriptions for addressing the mind and the spirit as well, which is something that you also cover in the book. Yeah, I do. And I think what's helpful is to really focus on where they are in their lives. And with my patients, 
I've come to see that there are so many aspects of their health that they're not indirect control of you know when it comes to things like where they were born what family they were born into uh, the opportunities they had growing up the color of their skin there are so many things that they can't change and so for me it's about trying to understand well what can they change and what do they have the mental bandwidth to change and when we really analyze the psychological aspect of behavior change we begin to see that that's often at the root of being able to make sustainable lifestyle changes including changes to what we eat so i start off by asking them a little bit about what they come in with and tailoring my advice to that and of course nutritional advice too but often there'll be other things going on and they're underlying and not always even obvious to the person when they're coming in and so when you have the time to sort of ask a little bit more about the stresses in their life how much they're moving their body how much time they're able to spend out in nature how much time they're able to spend doing things that they're passionate about how much time they spend feeling good about the lives that they lead um there are no easy answers and there's no one size which is why i wrote the book because in the book people can actually put their own medical history in it it's got journaling pages as well so they can actually analyze well what has been important to my health and wellness journey you know what operations have i had what infections have i had what was my family life like what are my friendships like have i got a good sense of community uh, do i feel connected to other people and it's when you look at all these things and the patterns that you've had in your life so far that you can begin to see how to move forward in a really healthy way it sounds to me like you're you're one part medical doctor and then one part psychologist here with with your patients and maybe that's kind of what is lacking so much in medicine is addressing what can't be fixed with just a prescription whether it be for a healthier diet or medication there is this whole other realm do you feel like you're wearing multiple hats when you're in the exam room with your patients I feel that a lot because I think perhaps maybe more in the UK than in other places, because the healthcare is free at the point of service for everybody, you just really don't know why someone's coming to see you. And sometimes they need a friend, sometimes they need a confidant, sometimes they need reassurance. Sometimes I think perhaps for a lot of people, maybe in the US as well, you know, the role of community is really changing especially in the pandemic and perhaps where we don't have the same amount of perhaps religious communities that people are involved in they feel disconnected they feel lonely and so in a way i feel like the general physician here in the uk is of course a diagnostician but also a counselor a therapist um a priest um a sister a brother a friend like you're trying to help them I guess what you're really trying to do is listen. And a lot of people don't have someone to listen to them. And I think that's, yeah, that's that's what I've noticed over the years. I would imagine that's kind of a, a unique and novel experience for a lot of your patients as well. Um, I can't imagine that here in the States, we often feel rushed through our appointments. But if if a doctor were to take the time to listen you know, to what is going on, it might actually be refreshing and, and just alleviate this, this burden that the patient may not have even realized that they've been carrying around with them. Are a lot of your patients surprised when you start kind of probing in those different areas? 
Yeah, I think sometimes they're surprised by the amount that they actually end up telling me. And what's lovely is that sometimes, or quite often, someone will leave the room and say, you know what, I feel so much better now, doctor, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, I haven't actually given them any medication, or at least if I have, they certainly haven't started taking it yet. So you know, that's, that's nice. It's a, it's an affirmation of the fact that as humans, we're really born to connect. And I think actually also speaks to the power of all humans to heal. You know, I do believe that we are all healers of ourselves and of each other. And I chose a career trying to help people with their health, because that was one of the priorities that I realized for me was um, one of the things I wanted to do with my life. But we can all feel hopeful that we have a role to play in helping to heal and support and listen to the people in our lives. And that's what I think is so amazing because it's so accessible. Let me ask you this. Um, in my former life, obviously, is a, especially the sports aspect of it, I kind of feel like um, with a certain amount of those guys, my former colleagues, I've been excommunicated, right? I'm that that crazy hippie vegan guy now, right? And they're like, I don't know what happened to Chuck, but I just can't have him in my life anymore. And that, you know, I kind of laugh about it. But at the same time, it's kind of like, eh, I worked really hard to be successful in that arena. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like being viewed in that light. I'm wondering if you may feel kind of the same way among some of your colleagues now that you're uh, practicing kind of this more totality of health approach that I think a lot of doctors obviously don't practice. Are you worried about being ostracized or excommunicated or viewed as just that crazy hippie doctor? I love that question. And thank you for sharing your experience in that way. It can hurt when people perceive you in a way that you don't want them to or a way that you don't think is fair. And as social creatures, it can make us feel very isolated. Um, For me, I think actually a lot of doctors would like to practice in this way. And some of them are more skeptical, but the beauty of writing books like Get Well, Stay Well is that I have the ability to do a lot of research and hundreds of references pertaining to the power of the healing health habits that I talk about are in the book. So if anyone's skeptical, then it's nice to be able to direct them to the resources and the studies that exist. But in all honesty, I feel as though when it comes to living in alignment with your values and the things that are important to you, it begins to matter a little less what people who don't align with those values think of you. And in my personal journey, I think it's also brought people into my life that I could never have imagined connecting with or having friendships friendships with, which has been absolutely wonderful. And that's professionally as well as personally. And I'm sure for you as well, Chuck, you've probably noticed that when you're living more in alignment with the values that are important to you now, there'll be so many people that you've brought into your life that you feel blessed by that you would never have even met before. No question about it. And I can honestly and sincerely say that this is the happiest I've ever been in my entire life because I kind of feel like I am, you know, to borrow the phrase, living my truth. You know, I am, I am absolutely me. There's no fronts. I don't need to put on any airs uh, to be someone who I'm not, or this person who I think people perceive me to be. So let me just be that character, whether that was the 420 pound Chuck who was on, you know, WBIG radio here in the Washington DC area or the sports journalist side of me. Um, This version of me is by far and away the most authentic. And there's a lot of freedom, Gemma, that comes with Mm -hmm. that. Like literally, I don't have to worry about impressing anybody. I just have to be me. 
And if that's the only thing that you have to do is just be you, you're living your best life almost by default. Exactly. And that is beautiful. In my book, I talk about in the, oh, we haven't even said what the uh, the six healing health habits are, but I'm going to jump into one of them. We're, we're going to get so, to that. Yeah, don't you It's worry. so important. Yeah, no, it's so important to what you've just said. You're living in alignment with who you actually really are deep down, which is wonderful. And many of us don't actually know because you know, we're just so caught up in the stories we tell ourselves about our past, the stories that other people have told in the past that we feel we have to fit into. And sometimes it's worth knowing a little bit more about what you want your story to actually be. And so in the love chapter, I talk about the importance of really analyzing what your values are, or at least what your top three are right now. And I even create code words for them to make it really more of a visceral uh, understanding of, of how you can bring it into your life each day. And when you understand those values and you reflect on them each morning, it allows you to make choices each day that, uh, that bring you more in alignment with the values that are important to you. And then your life goes in a completely different trajectory than it would have done previously. So in the book, there's a whole guide and there's example values and there's all sorts of things that you can work through in the journal to help you understand, well, okay, how do I actually want to live and who do I want to draw close to me and you know, who do I want to give to today? Yeah, life is a fun journey, isn't it? It's like I'm listening to you say that and I'm thinking about you know how people say that you change over time. And as you get a little bit older, it's like you become more comfortable being who it is you were always meant to be or who you've always been, I should say. And I think that that is one of the great joys that come with life. Um, and I love that you included that in the love chapter, by the way. I think that that's, that's just so, so fantastic. Uh, but that is just uh, one of the six. Uh, your, your top six for lifestyle changes because you, you've you've folded love into this brilliant acronym that everybody can understand. Gloves, G L O V E S. Yes. So L, spoiler, that is that that is the L. Love is is the L in glove. But what what are the other ones here? Start us off with the G. Let's let's work top to bottom here. Right. So gloves is gratitude, love outside, veggies, exercise, and sleep. Now, the veggies chapter encompasses all of nutrition and also includes uh, some uh, excerpts on how we relate to food, so our relationship with food, uh, because I think that's an important thing that isn't talked about much as well in the nutrition space, is how food makes us feel. So yeah, that's, that's included in the V chapter, which is veggies. And there are other things included in the E chapter, which is exercise, because I talk about the importance of moving the body and things like breath work, because using your breath in an intentional way is one of the few ways in which you can actually control your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system responses, um, which is quite unique. And sometimes you need to reach the body directly rather than trying to think your way out of a certain way of being or feeling. Sometimes it's about moving your body and then shifting um, that emotion in that way. So yes, it, it covers all sorts of things going from gratitude, love, outside, veggies, exercise and sleep, and it combines them all. 
I love exercise, sleep, veggies, veggies. Why am I not surprised that that was the V? I mean, I was like, yep, yep, that's that's just so Gemma Newman right there. That's so Gemma Newman. Um, I know. It's so good. It's so good. So when you were thinking that, uh, thinking about that acronym and these these six tips, these six pillars, you know, how much of that is based upon your own experience because you have had this extraordinary health transformation yourself. Yeah, I think when I was thinking about how to help people remember the healing habits, it it didn't come directly from my journey, but I'll share a bit of that in a minute. It came actually through a patient of mine because I wear gloves a lot at work, of course. Most doctors do, you know, for infection control and for, for um, physical examinations and procedures. So. I'm always having to put gloves on, take them off. And one of my patients came to see me with a latex glove allergy. She's a nurse and she's been like, she'd been working hard throughout the pandemic and, um, and before, and she was, she had red raw hands and it would have been enough just to give her some emollient creams and some steroids and advise her to seek out non-latex gloves to use. And she'd be on her way. And, it was only in sort of understanding a little bit more about her lifestyle and how she felt about how things were going that we could perhaps get more to the root of the issue because she also had other things going on. She had um, asthma. She also had seasonal hay fever. So she had a predisposition to what we call atopy, where you're going to be reacting to certain things in your environment. And she also has some thyroid dysregulation. So when I asked her a little bit more, she told me about her average day, which I find is a really helpful way of understanding how um, patients' lifestyles can affect their health. And she was saying that she was going into work, rushed. She barely had time to eat breakfast. She'd grab a croissant on a coffee on her way into work. She'd grab a ham and cheese sandwich at work. She'd eat a takeaway when she got home because she was too tired to cook. She'd scroll on her social media to try and unwind. And she'd go to bed later than she should. And she felt exhausted the next day. And she's she was also partying a lot. She was living in a, in a flat share. And so when we talked it through, she decided that she was going to try three of the things that we discussed. And the first one was to sit down while she was eating so that, you know, rather than grabbing a croissant and coffee, she'd make some porridge in the morning and she'd sit down and she'd eat it slowly. She decided she was going to batch cook on a Sunday just to get her a couple of extra meals during the week that she didn't have to worry about. She could just heat up in the microwave rather than grabbing a takeaway. And the third promise that she made to herself that she felt she could easily stick to was setting an alarm so that she'd go to bed an hour earlier than she was previously and ensuring that she got up at the same time each day. And these are three simple things that she decided that she was going to do based on this discussion that we had. And Fast forward about three or four months, I saw her and her asthma had improved. She dropped down her inhalers because she didn't need them as often. The eczema obviously had improved on her hands because she'd avoided the latex and she was using the emollients. But she said that she wasn't having so many seasonal um, issues with her hay fever either. And her thyroid seems to have also um, improved. So there were a number of knock-on effects that I couldn't have necessarily predicted, but had actually made a massive tangible difference to her life, which was over and above the simple creams that would have been you know, more than enough to offer her. So that's where the GLOVES acronym came from, because I thought, you know what? Gloves were actually the root cause of her particular issue. She decided to take off the gloves and get right down into it. And so I thought, let's let's see if we can create a, an acronym out of that. And that's Millie, right? That's the famous Millie who was featured in the book? Yeah. 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 
That's cool. How how amazing must it be for Millie to you know be the the inspiration, the genesis for something like Gloves, which I think that as this book hits store shelves is really going to uh, improve the lives of so many people. So I would think if I'm Millie, man, I'm feeling pretty good about life right about now for a lot yeah. of reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think she probably is. <laughs> <laughs> But Although the, I have to say, all of the case studies, there's only two case studies in the book where I've used the real names of the person um, for confidentiality. And that sure. is, that is um, you, you will know them, I'm sure. We talked about the, our relationship with food in the book. So Adam Sood and uh, Tara Kemp have mm. both provided their stories because they've shared them publicly anyway. So it was lovely to have their stories of, of health and happiness in the book as well. For sure. I love Adam and Tara. They're the, they're the best. Um, and, and their infinite study, I think, was just brilliantly done. Um, and, yeah. and how diet can help overcome uh, substance abuse. So just brilliantly, brilliantly done. Um, but let's go back to your story a little bit, too. Uh, for people who may not yet be too familiar with you, um, in very early on in the book, you write about your husband, and we're going to circle back to nutrition here. You write about your husband who was training for a marathon and um, just kept getting injury after injury after injury, couldn't really complete his training to his liking and decided to make a big dietary change. What happened once he did that? He really massively improved his running times. And I was this skeptical onlooker. I couldn't quite believe it was going to make that much of a difference. But when he decided to eat plant-based, uh, he was able to run the next marathon that he did one hour and 10 minutes faster than the first marathon that he ran, which is just incredible. Mind-blowing in terms of the difference that it made for him. And I got really inspired. You know, I'd already read some of the information about how a plant-based diet would be helpful for the environment, but I hadn't properly understood the power of plant-based eating for health. And so that's when I decided to study more for my patients because I wanted to know more about the impact on things like heart disease and diabetes. And what I found absolutely fascinating, by the way, is that incredibly there are only four health conditions that account for 80% of all premature deaths in the whole world, which is heart disease, cancers, lung disease, and diabetes. And the crazy thing that I couldn't believe was about 80% of these could be prevented by just having four simple healthy lifestyle habits, which include a healthy diet predominantly consisting of plants, regular physical activity, sensible use of alcohol, and not smoking. And the, the one that's the most powerful of all those four simple health habits is what we put on our plate. In fact, it can, an unhealthy diet contributes to more death and disability than smoking, alcohol, and drug use combined. So when I kind of really began to realize the power of our plates, that's when I decided, well, I'll give it a try. And uh, I've had the confidence then as well to talk to my patients about it. And... I have done really well too. You know, I was able to bring my cholesterol down. I used to get a lot of knee pain as well when I was running and I've not had knee pain in a very long time. And I've run uh, another marathon as well since I went plant-based and no knee pain at all throughout all of my training. So, you know, that's an anecdote, but it's lovely to have that also backed up by many different kinds of research. All right, I gotta, I gotta back, back up that conversation a little bit to when your husband first told you he wanted to give going plant based a try. I want to share just this one little paragraph from the book. I'm gonna read it verbatim. <laughs> 
it is, I mean, I laughed so hard when I read this. I'm going to give it a try, he said to me one night. I had never looked into plant-based diets before, and to be honest, my first instinct was one of horror. What will our friends say? We will be social outcasts. You'll get nutritional deficiency. How are you supposed to get enough protein? Oh, my stars. To hear you admit that as some of your own thoughts is hysterical hysterical to me but it is a stark reminder that we are definitely not in the place from where we started and so for you to have embraced this so wholeheartedly and to pour your time your effort your energy into this and do so much research and now bring it forth to your patients i mean that's that is that is like the proof of all proof that change can happen inside and out Gemma newman i love that paragraph so much Oh, thank you, Chuck. I'm really happy that you love that. And I think probably a lot of our listeners can relate to it as well, right? Because they'll have those comments from their friends and family, and maybe even they had those thoughts as well. (laughs) I think a lot of us do. A lot of us do. But come on in. The water's fine. Yeah. You'll live your best life. I mean, because like, I think that if you just feel better, physically, you're going to feel better about yourself mentally in a lot of cases. And then just by that, a lot of other things can just start to fall into place. And then you can fine tune the other aspects of your life. And then you get this total wellness that you you write about in the book, which I just think is, is, it's just so beautifully written. Um, But then also about you, you write, uh, you know, just uh, on the very next page, you write about, you know, how uh, when you were searching for answers in your early 20s, you were exercising like a fiend, you cut carbs, you were counting calories. um, And like, yeah, that worked to an extent. But what else did you find out? Yeah, well, I felt great. uh, And I thought, well, this is the answer. This is what I've been looking for. But sadly, when I decided to check my blood panels, unfortunately, I had very high cholesterol. And I realized that actually, even though I was at my peak physical fitness and a really good age, and I was, you know, eating what I thought was really healthy, I still had the raised cholesterol and LDL. um, And sadly, at that time, I thought, well, this is just my fate my destiny i'm gonna have to live with this and then perhaps die young of a heart attack like my other relatives have and then it was only really when i began to research and understand the power of eating more plants that i thought maybe i could actually have some input into this uh, genetic destiny and sure enough what was lovely for me was that after just one month of eating fully plant-based i was able to finally bring my cholesterol and lipid panel down to normal which was just a wonderful wonderful thing and uh, it did feel good because you know, we all have stories of heartbreak in our families and heart disease is the number one killer here in the UK. And my grandfather died suddenly of a heart attack whilst playing tennis. And my father died suddenly of a heart attack, aged only 59. And I just think to myself, all the families in the world with stories like this, all the extra years that we could share with our loved ones, um, if we had the resources that we needed, you know, if we had some of the resources from this book, which is why I'm so passionate about it, because I think <laughs> there are so many families that can benefit from this and create new stories with the people they love. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, and first of all, I, I'm, I'm very sorry for your losses. Um, not unique to your family, which is just so tragic. But to hear you say that your grandfather had a heart attack while playing tennis, I think a lot of people would think, well, that's a fit individual. He's out there, he's moving his body, he's playing tennis, he's running around hitting the ball, he must be healthy, right? But that's not 
always enough just to move your body. So, you know, obviously there was room for improvement in other areas. How much do you think, how much more work do you think it's going to take for people to realize that sometimes diet just is not enough? I think or exercise, I should say, is just not enough. And then you can eat your way, you know, or exercise your way out of anything. That's what I meant to say. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I think I get it. I get it. I think I think what's interesting is people probably pick up on the message when they see people that look really ripped and really fit in the gym. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have a massive heart attack whilst on the on the treadmill or whilst lifting weights. You know, it, what you look like on the outside doesn't always translate to what's going on on the inside, especially when it comes to things like your coronary arteries or the small arteries in places like your brain. You know, there's a lot of other factors involved. And of course, diet is one of the big ones. Um, the question was, when will people realize? I don't know. I like to think that they're beginning to realize all the things that we talk about. And certainly your podcast is one of the lovely ways people can start to understand the power of food and nutrition. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about sharing it myself, because it's only truly in understanding that whole body, whole mind approach to health that you can really begin to see the big changes that can happen for you, which people just don't always understand no they don't they, they they don't but i love connecting the dots i love to be just a little small part of of their dot connecting journey and i'm sure that you feel the same way um i want to talk to you a little bit more about gratitude which is such a big part of your book and i identified with this because whenever i'm grateful for something that somebody has done to improve my own life or the quality of the show, which I'd like to think improves the lives of others. Like I'm never shy about saying thank you because I think that those two little words can really change the trajectory of somebody's day at the very least. And it's so important that I think we all take the time to say thank you to somebody who's made an impact on their life, done something kind. And for whatever reason, we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of our own day-to-day -day lives, those two little words are often eliminated from our vocabulary. But gratitude is super important, Dr. Newman. It is. And it's so helpful for our personal health as well. So from a purely selfish point of view, giving thanks to others actually helps us feel better. And it can also, studies show, reduce pain perception as well. Um, so it's quite a valuable tool in when you're living with a chronic illness um, is to understand how to actually utilize gratitude in a way. And I want to also say it doesn't mean that you have to feel grateful for, for really hard things because life is hard. You know, we, we will all suffer. And this is a very positive conversation. I don't want to bring it down, but I have to be honest and say, you know, in my experience personally, and of course, professionally, all the people I see, nobody escapes um, heartbreak, uh, whether it's the loss of a, a loved one, whether it's a loss of who they think that they were, um, whether it's a loss of a relationship or re a loss of status in a job, you know, uh, we will all experience this. And it's hard to feel grateful when things are not going how you want them to and when you're suffering. So in the gratitude chapter, what I wanted to offer was a way for people to navigate these difficult experiences and feel as though they have some tools that they can use to help them through, help them accept the way they feel and move through it in a healthy way. And 
it's not gratitude is not just for people who are happy. <laughs> there are studies showing that actually gratitude practices are useful for people who are suffering as well. There was a great study done on uh, people who were seeking out mental health counseling and support, and they split them into three groups. The first group was told to uh, write gratitude journals about things that they'd noticed that they were grateful for. The second group was asked to write down more about their thoughts and feelings and some of the things that have been bothering them. And the third group was a control group who only experienced the psychotherapy support. All groups improved in their mental health, but the ones that wrote the gratitude journals were the ones that improved the most. Uh, they found the whole process the most useful. So, I, I, and as I mentioned before, pain perception actually in one study was, was reduced by 16% in those who were dealing with pain conditions uh, when they were um, doing gratitude practices. So it's something that, really can benefit us personally, but also the people around us, which is why I've focused on it so much in the book. What about those individuals? And, and I am certainly one of them as well, who, you know, kind of struggle asking for help because they, they know the impact that, you know, I almost look at like emotions like a magnet, right? Either way, you're going to either attract good into somebody's life or you're going to attract bad into somebody's life. I never want to like take somebody's good day and turn it into a bad day to talk to them about something that I may be struggling with, right? So what, what in your opinion is the balance there of being able to ask for help without the worry of bringing somebody else down? What people don't often realize is that in connecting with other people, that's where a lot of healing happens. And I don't know if you ever watched the movie Inside Out. Um, there was a psychologist that helped to create that movie. Um, and one of the things that I found so powerful about it was actually the emotion of sadness. Because what you learn from the film and what you learn in life often is that Empathy often comes from sadness. You know, if you're able to channel that feeling in a way that you can actually um, process healthily, then it allows you to feel a lot more empathy towards other people who are going through a hard time. And I think that's something that someone like yourself who is really caring about other people, doesn't want to bring them down, it would actually be really helpful for your connection with others just to open up because that vulnerability is something that really helps to bring connection to. Um, and it's not about wallowing in something. It's not about um, becoming a victim. It's just an acknowledgement of the, the power of connecting. And I'm sure good friends of yours would never mind you opening up and being vulnerable and honest and open about how you felt. No, they don't. But then I always hesitate because it's like, oh, well, you know, his wife's about to have a child. He's got his hands full or, oh, Gemma's got this book coming out. It's the holiday season. I can't I can't bring her down. She's already got too much on her plate. I can't add to her worries. You know, so I, I wrestle with that, you know, um, and, yeah. and I cannot imagine that I'm the only person in the world that kind of feels that way, you know. Um, and also when we're going through negative ruminations, we tend to isolate ourselves. It's it's a really common thing that you're feeling low. The last thing you actually want to do is reach out. You just, you don't have any motivation for it, um, which is why I think sometimes it's helpful to um, go to your doctor, someone like me, because I'll be, I'm, I'm paid to sit there and listen and I enjoy doing it. So... <laughs> 
So if you go to a, a medical professional, you know that you're getting somebody who you know, has some experience, at least in, in listening, I would hope. And also psychotherapy. I know that it's something that is perhaps less accessible for certain groups of people, which is why, again, I wrote the book. I want this to be accessible for everybody. Um, and I think talking to an objective person trained to help you through a, a situation is really important. In our local healthcare system, we have access to things like bereavement counseling for people who are suffering from loss. Um, and I'm sure there'll probably be similar things available in the US. Um, but ultimately, I think what people don't realize is that often pain comes from the same place as our, in our brains as, as pleasure. And in facing and acknowledging that we feel pain, you know, we feel sadness and fear and anger we can start the process of finding gratitude again because as you know becoming numb doesn't make us happy because it also numbs out the joy as well and I think when it comes to when you're feeling low yes seeking psychotherapy medications I have nothing against uh, medication for things like low mood I think it's another tool that is really important for people um and there's lots of tools. Going out in nature is another thing I talk about a lot in the book, actually. What's really interesting is um, studies show that when you go outside to natural settings, it actually reduces the amount of activity in a part of the brain that, that causes rumination, like negative ruminations. So there's lots of things. There's lots of different avenues into feeling better. I think it just depends on, on the person and what they feel open to at that time. Yeah, outside, that's the O and gloves that's, right there. That's the O, that's the O. <laughs> and would you believe that uh, our, our friend, uh, Dr. Will Bolsowitz and I were talking about uh, just getting out there and getting some fresh sunlight and how that does a body good uh, immensely. Um, yeah. And so just to hear that, you know, from you and from Dr. Bolsowitz, I mean, legit doctors, people, this isn't like your hippie tree hugging neighbor telling you to go and do this stuff. Like these are, these are MDs people. Take a listen, <laughs> get out of the house, get off of the couch, go be one. Yes, with nature. absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, then there's some great studies on this. And um, in fact, one of the headings in my outside chapter was uh, sun is nature's antidepressant because it really does lift the mood. And there's some great studies on uh, the Japanese practice of Shirin Yoku or forest bathing. Um, having a positive effect not only on our state of mind as i mentioned before um the part of the brain responsible for rumination but also our immune system there was one study taking um, a group of walkers who had 90 minutes in a forest setting and incredibly their natural killer cells that they were producing in their body increased by around about 50%. And these cells are really important for helping us to modulate our immune system and ensure essentially that we don't get sick as often. Um, and another study um, on women this time, again, they had two hours on um, two consecutive days. They tested them and they had 40% increase in natural killer cells, which are really important and helpful immune cells that our bodies produce for us. So there are definite tangible physical health benefits. And another study compared walking in urban settings with um, settings in nature, and there was a definite improvement in the study participants in terms of things like their heart rate and their blood pressure uh, and also their stress levels. So yeah, it's wonderful to actually see a lot of this research being done that can kind of back up what you think probably is instinctively true. Um, and it's always good to try and disprove your hypothesis, of course. But it's it's important to acknowledge that there is a lot of interesting study data out there to support the power of nature to heal.
All right, and let's look at this. I looked at the clock. We've already been talking for almost 40 minutes here. It's just flown by. So let's wrap things up by coming back to food because, I mean, if you're listening to the exam room, you are a foodie. There's no doubt about that. I happen to know for a fact that in the veggies chapters here, you have some amazing recipes that are featured in this book, recipes that you and your your friends have uh, cobbled together. First of all, uh, who helped you uh, put these recipes together? Well, what I love about this book is that I've got the best of the best contributing to it. So there you go. Um, there's two amazing chefs from Ireland called the Happy Pair Chefs. They provided a recipe. Uh, there's a Dr. Rupi Orsler, the Doctor's Kitchen, based in the UK. He's provided a recipe. I've got a wonderful friend who's a vegan cordon bleu trained chef. She has um, provided me with recipes for the book, and I've got my own recipes in there as well. And one of the things I wanted was for people to feel inspired by the food, um, which is hard to do when you've got a hardback black and white book. The cover is obviously very colorful, but inside we've got a lot of um, interesting knowledge and information. So it's not a color book. So what I did was I added a QR code right next to the recipes. So all you need to do when you've got the book is simply hover over the QR code with your camera on your mobile phone, your cell phone, and you'll be able to see all of the photographs that we've taken of these gorgeous recipes. So you can just dive in, pick the one that you think that you like the look of the most and start cooking. Which one do you like the most? Come on. And now, now hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what? Let me take the pressure off. Which one of your recipes is the one you think people should go to first? Like what is the Gemma Newman special here? Oh, I can't tell you. I love them all. I'm just looking at them now. Oh, actually. don't be modest. We all have our go-tos, <laughs> you silly goose. All right, all right. Well, I like the... <laughs> <laughs> I really like the cauliflower and garlic bechamel spaghetti. That's one of my absolute favorites. Um, and the mushroom and lentil pie is yummy. It is really, really yummy. So, yeah, those are my probably my top two. Here we go. Cauliflower and garlic bechamel spaghetti 210 that's page 210 for those of you who have the book by the way there's a link to uh, pre-order your hardcover copies in the u.s it is now available in the uk uh but you can get your hands on the kindle version i believe straight away no matter where it is you are is that right am i right in that i do believe you are that. right you are right and also for people who want to pre-order and actually get the hardback where they want to journal in it and so on uh you can just send a link to my website and you get immediate access to all the recipes and all the photographs as well there you go. Which is, which is a nice perk, right? So let me ask you kind of a cooking novice question. Uh, I am not, uh, you know, too proud to say I have no idea what bechamel is. Garlic bechamel spaghetti. What What is bechamel? That is a new word for me. It's just the word for a kind of creamy white sauce. Okay. Good you know, know. You, you must have dishes like that in, in America with, with Alfredo is, is typically like when I think of creamy pasta sauce, that's what I what I pop. Yeah, is that it's, kind of that's, similar? maybe that's your word for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Bechamel. I like that. That sounds fancier though. It really it does. Bechamel. Like, yeah, you go to a restaurant, they're going to charge you $10 more for that, man. Just a bechamel. Don't give me that Alfredo. No, 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 no. That's for the peasants. I want the bechamel. Only yeah. the best. 
I want exactly. <laughs> you can say it. With, you can say it with a French accent. You know, I love the bechamel. Ooh, oh, that's, that's, okay. that's very good, Doctor Newman, with the French accent. Ooh la la. Uh, <laughs> oh man, this is this has been a real treat. So the book is "Get Well, Stay Well." I encourage you all to pick up your copy of it. I mean, just so great. I can't think of starting the new year on a healthier foot than giving that a read. And uh, also, I would be completely neglecting my duties here as a show host if I didn't mention the show that you and I host together One Healthy World Season 2 coming very soon. This was this was exciting. It's been a long time coming, but seeing what they have done, Dr. Newman, and I know you've seen the, the, the drafts for some of the first episodes. I mean, this is a really sharp-looking show that we put together here, Doctor. I know, it really is, and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. I love the One Healthy World initiative. I think it's wonderful to be able to bring people in from across the world in this amazing format. So, yeah, I'm really excited for people to uh, to tune in. And my, you know, my vision of One Healthy World, we've done these big exam rooms over here in the U.S. We got to do One Healthy World live and in person over in the U.K. I have never been to your neck of the woods and nothing would give me more gratitude than taping one of those shows uh, over there with you. I think that it would be a riot. Like, it just needs to happen. It totally does. You know, I think... The more we think about it, we, the more we know it's actually going to happen. We just need to book it in, don't we? We need to get you over here. You can see the sights of London. You come to the forest near my home. You could breathe in all those amazing particles of nature. Get your natural killer cells going. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> We're going to manifest that. We're going to manifest the heck out of it. It's going to happen, Doc. It's going to happen. <laughs> But I see nothing but great things happening for you this year and well into the future and for a lot of people who pick up a copy of Get Well, Stay Well. Dr. Gemma Newman, you are an absolute joy to talk to. Congratulations on the release of the book. Thank you so much, Chuck. Now is the time to get your copy of Get Well, Stay Well from Dr. Newman. It is available right now in the U.S. on Amazon Kindle and hardcover. If you like to have the book in your hands, if you live in the U.K., you can get that there. And the hardcover edition, by the way, that will be available here in the U.S. sometime in the spring. But why wait? Get on that health train right now. Tap into those six healing habits with Dr. Newman. Get well, stay well. There's a link to pick up your copy in the episode notes. But right now, let's shift gears and turn our attention to another one of our friends who has a new book on the way, Carly Bodrug. She is the author of the forthcoming Plant You Scrappy Cooking. She is here with us to kick off our new segment here on the show, a little something we'd like to call 5-4. So five things for a healthier you. And to get us going, it is a kitchen prescription like only Carly can write. So let's learn about five ways to get scrappy in the kitchen. With Carly, it's a perfect way to start the new year on 5-4. Welcome back to the show, Carly. Thank you so much, Chuck. I'm thrilled to be here. I wanted to talk to you about scrappy cooking. And so for our very first 5-4, you are going to give us five tips for scrappy cooking. So what's number one on your list? 
Yes, scrappy cooking is all about using things that you would never expect. So my number one scrappy cooking tip, if you're plant-based, it's likely you go through a lot of cans of chickpeas. The water of those cans of chickpeas is called aquafaba and it can be used for so many things. You can think of it like an egg white replacement and use it for breading tofu, but my favorite is to whip it up and you can actually make a meringue substitute with it or a whipped cream. It's absolutely incredible. The creativity, I never get tired of it. It's so cool. So that's number one. What's number two on the list? Number two has got to be pickle juice. I don't know if you're a pickle lover, Chuck. In the last few years, I've come to absolutely love pickles. But when you get to the end of the jar, you're like, what am I going to do with this pickle juice? Unless you're a marathoner, they love to drink that for the electrolytes. But it actually makes an amazing tofu marinade. Or I love to actually put potato chips in it. So uh, just sliced up potatoes. You can put that in the pickle juice, let it sit for about an hour, and then pop them in the air fryer for about 10 minutes and you've got an amazing pickle flavored homemade healthier chip. Oh, that's such a big deal. Sometimes you can find pickled flavored potato chips in the grocery store and they never last long for whatever reason. I feel like pickled potato chips have a cult following. And I'm not saying that the ones that are in the store are healthy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying they are truly an obsession for a lot of people. So I'm glad that made your list. What's number three, Carly? Carrot tops. We all love carrots, but what are you going to do with those beautiful green tops? They're completely edible and you can actually blitz them in a blender with some vinegar and some chili. And you have got an amazing homemade carrot top chimichurri. This is great for topping on tacos or anything Mexican inspired. It's delicious. Number four. Let's just keep the good times rolling. Number four, it's radish tops or beet tops. So this is a two or one. They can actually be used in place of basil in pesto. So I love radish top pesto. And all I do is add it to a blender with some soaked, uh, soaked cashews or sunflower seeds, some nutritional yeast and garlic, blitz it up, and it makes an amazing pesto-inspired pasta sauce or as a dip. I'm a huge fan of any kind of pasta sauce. Just love pasta. I love the fact that you can still eat a healthy diet that has a ton of pasta in it. Fear not the carb, my friend. It is indeed your friend. And number five on the very first five four, what are you taking us home with? Number five, we've got spent coffee grounds. So if you are a coffee drinker, there's a lot of coffee grounds that can go to waste. So I've got a double use for this one. I love putting them in homemade granola. So I make a homemade chocolate granola. It's just oats, cocoa powder, a tablespoon or two of those spent coffee grounds, a little maple syrup, mix it up, put it in the oven, and you've got a beautiful granola. That coffee flavor actually brings out the flavor of chocolate. And then additionally, you can actually take those spent coffee grounds, put them in a bowl, pop them in your fridge, and they act as a natural deodorizer. What in the world what? are you talking about right now? Coffee grounds and natural deodorizer? Yeah, yeah. And some people even like to put it in uh, their garden as a fertilizer. You have to check which plants it works with. I am not, I'm not someone with a green thumb, but it makes us a great fertilizer for some plants. All right, that's going to close it up for five, four. That's five, four scrappy cooking. And now, Carly, I'm assuming that a lot of this is going to be mentioned in your new book, which comes out in April. 
yeah, quite a few of those recipes are from my new book, Plant You Scrappy Cooking, out April 2nd. I'm super excited. It helps you eat healthier, reduce food waste, and save money. So I hope everybody can pick up a copy or pre-order now. Definitely a passion of yours. And I told you this before we started rolling. I've loved it since the day you started doing the scrappy cooking series where you're like, scrappy, just like you did then when you have that little bit of a roll in your voice and you sold it. Like, this is passion stuff for you. Like, how did you get so motivated to do a book like this and reduce the waste with cooking? One of my main reasons for going plant-based was the environment, actually, because we know well that animal agriculture is really a drain our, on our environment. And when I started really learning about climate change, I came across a statistic that was really shocking, and it's that 30 to 40% of all food in the United States goes to waste. And shockingly, a lot of that happens in the home, and it's just because we're all so busy, and we overbuy, and then we don't consume all the food and I wanted to do something about it. So I remember I just threw up a video randomly about orange peel candy one day on Instagram and people just went nuts. These were already things I was doing in my kitchen as a food blogger, but I was so excited to see that there was some passion behind it. And I've just rolled with it. I think we've done over 90 episodes since, and then I've written a whole cookbook on the concept with over 150 recipes. And the recipes in the book are not just scraps. They're really about having, uh, interchangeable recipes so soups that you can use any vegetable you have in your fridge curries where you can use a sweet potato in place of a potato and teaching people to be empowered by what they have in their fridge and pantry rather than sticking to a really solid uh written recipe outstanding outstanding so we're going to bring you back as the launch of the book gets nearer and nearer we're going to do some more five fours with you if, if you're up for it you want to come back and keep doing this Oh, I would love to. Thanks, Chuck. This was a blast. Five for Scrappy Cooking. Carly Bodrug coming through as we debut a new segment here on the show. And look. I have to be honest with you. I have had the opportunity to preview the forthcoming Plant You Scrappy Cooking Cookbook, and the recipes in there are amazing. There is a link to reserve your copy. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon. That link is in the episode notes. But let's talk more about these five for Scrappy Cooking that Carly was just telling us about here on the show. Aquafaba, using the juice from chickpeas to make lemon meringue. Hello, creativity. Thy name is Carly. And then pickle juice. Use that. Don't just pour it out. Use that to marinate some tofu or make those healthy pickle chips that she was talking about. And then carrot tops. I thought she was going to go the comedic route at first, but no, she was like, no, there's nothing funny about this. What there is is some homemade chimichurri that will knock your socks off. How cool is that? And then speaking of tops, Tops from radishes or beets can be turned into the perfect pesto. And then coffee grounds. How about using those in a little bit of granola? Maybe a little mocha granola there, or stick it in the refrigerator as a natural deodorizer instead of baking soda. How about that? 
I'm on board with that. Just genius. Absolutely genius. And that is Scrappy Cooking at its finest. And we have more 5-4 still to come in the new season. Carly will be back with us a little bit later on this week during our Health Heroes series. Matter of fact, she's going to be back with Dr. Jessica Grant on the fifth episode of our Health Heroes series. This time, it will be five easy meals for making your life easier in the kitchen. And speaking of 5-4, we may also have some exclusive 5-4s coming down the line for our exam room VIPs. So if you are not yet an exam room VIP, what are you waiting for? Get on board, get access to the exclusive 5-4s plus exclusive pre-sale opportunities for tickets to our big live events. There might be one coming your way in the spring, hint, hint. But best of all, your VIP membership with the exam room supports our mission at the Physicians Committee of making the world a healthier place. We can truly touch lives around the globe through our groundbreaking research and education. And you can get on board, get all the opportunities and raise health IQs like never before. Sign up today for free pcrm.org slash exam room VIP. There's a link to that in the episode notes. And our Heroes of Health series rolls on. We talked about six healing habits and five ideas for scrappy cooking today. Well, next up, how about we go a little bit higher? How about a lot higher? How about not four, five, or six, but 38 trillion? Dr. Will Bolsowitz is here with tips for optimizing the 38 trillion gut microbes living inside of you. 38 trillion. And we are going to be squaring every last one of them up with Dr. B on the next show. Can't wait for that. And then coming up on Thursday, January 4th, Dr. Joel Furman will be here to continue our Heroes of Health series. First time guest, as he will help us reset our relationship with food. This one is critical. How to get rid of all of the unhealthy food that has its hooks in us and we feel like we just can't give it up. Well, Dr. Furman's going to help us get over that hump, break up with the bad stuff and let all the good enter your life through the power of healthy foods on your plate. And then Friday, January the 5th, Dr. Jessica Krantz will be here. Radiant healthy skin, what to eat to look your best because you can't kick off the new year and have a new you without looking your best as well. Look your best, feel your best. Dr. Jessica Grant will get us there. And right now, my question for you is, how's your health IQ? You feel like it's up a point or two? We covered a lot of ground today with Dr. Newman and Carly. So if you feel like you've learned something, taken that health IQ to the next level, let's pay it forward. Do that by subscribing or following the Exam Room Podcast on the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you do that, please also leave a five-star rating. And when you do that, if you want to add a little bit in the review about how you have improved your health, let's talk about that on the show as well. We would love to hear that. And every time you leave that five-star rating and nice review... It really does help the person who is searching for these answers, someone who feels like they could never turn the corner when it comes to their health. We want to put hope back in the palm of their hands. And when you subscribe, give that five-star rating. That's exactly what you can do because it gets this right to the top of the nutrition podcast rankings. And that is how we make the world a healthier place. 
And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Gemma Newman and Carly Bodrug for being here and raising our health IQs as our Heroes of Health series rolls on. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. Plant-based.